What's an educated mama? Hello, I'm Ryan Jordan, and welcome to The Educated Mama. During this podcast, we will learn from experts, entrepreneurs, creators, and leaders who are also mothers responsible for all the things. Let's celebrate women, learn a few mom hacks, and discuss the beautiful mess of motherhood. We're all learning together, right? Today's guest is Brandy Malloy. Brandy is a TV host, food reporter, lifestyle and parenting expert, and an at-home cook known for her simple and fun approach to food. She is currently the host of Momhood, a successful parenting podcast. And you may have seen her on KTLA, Dr. Phil, Access Hollywood, and the Food Network series, Let's Eat. When she isn't in front of the camera, she shares her recipes, family stories, and mom hacks on her blog. She's also the mama to a son and daughter. Let's meet our guest. Hi, Brandy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You know, that is such a great exercise to be forced to listen to all these affirmations and accolades from someone else, because sometimes I forget those things I've been able to do. So thank you for reminding me. Yes, and it's actually one of the reasons that I introduced my guests, because that is what I want them to feel. So thank you. <laughs> I think to myself, we are so underappreciated from ourselves. And when you hear someone else say the things you've done, it's like, wow, I've, I really have done a lot so far <laughs> in my life. Well, thank you. Yes. So Brandy, I have a funny story to share with you that you don't even know about. So ah! that is hilarious. So I came out to Los Angeles years and years ago. And when I moved here, I was an actress. And one of my favorite shows was Oprah's Big Give. Oh, <gasps> so really? This gets even better than this. So I watched you on Oprah's Big Give and I looked at the TV screen. I think it was 2007, 2008. And I was like, who is that woman? She is the most beautiful, inspirational woman I've ever not met that I feel like I know in my life. I have to meet her one day. Cut to about maybe six months later, you and Cameron stopped by Hyde, this exclusive nightclub in Hollywood, and I was a cocktail waitress. And I'm like, this is not how I imagined I would meet Brandy. I am her cocktail waitress. So I meet you. I don't say a word because I'm too mortified that I'm still a cocktail waitress. You're out in LA, but I was watching you. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's just such a beacon of light. <laughs> Cut to, what is this? 12 years later now, I'm like, these are my magic moments. When you manifest things, they happen because now you're a guest on my podcast. This story is so good. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I'm All I'm thinking right now is I think I know what I was wearing. And I look back at those photos and not only were my like boobs like full out because I definitely had something to prove, you know, small town girl chasing big city dreams. But, oh my gosh, now it's like that sliding doors moment. It's like, we met, we've talked, we've, we've had this interaction. That is so cool. And I just want to say Oprah's Forgive was such an incredible experience. I mean, you know, when I met Oprah, I met her um, during a photo shoot, the same moment I met her best friend, Gail, and it was the most surreal experience. It's everything you thought it would be. She sounds just like she does on television. And that experience really 
was such a huge factor into catapulting me into moving to Los Angeles with my best friend at the time, Cameron, who I'm still friends with. I would have never had the guts to move to LA if it wasn't for him. And I love that we've met before and I had no idea. And oh my gosh, was I nice? You were so nice and you were so kind. And you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, everybody, I'm from Wisconsin. So I'm like, oh, everyone looks perfect on TV. I'm like, she looks just like she did on TV. Her skin is flawless. She's amazing. It was one of those moments. It was so bad. And you were so kind. Both of you were so kind. And you walked in, you, you know, hung out and then left. And I was like, oh, one day I'll meet her again. And here we are meeting over a Zoom screen, but here we are again. So why didn't we bring cocktails? I, mean, I know we should have. I mean, it is, you know, good <laughs> Anyway, so um, I would just love to start off talking about actually your birth story, if you don't mind. I teach a mommy and me class. I love moms and I love hearing birth stories. So I would love for you to tell me your birth stories if you're open to it. Oh, I love talking about birth. Thank you so much for giving me a platform to share because, you know, before my sister had her babies and her, she had kids 10 years before me. And before I met a lot of girlfriends that have had amazing unmedicated natural births, I really hadn't thought that much about what my birth story would be when I had children. And what's funny is I remember at one point just saying like, oh, I would just have like a C-section. You just schedule it and they take the baby out and you're good to go. Looking back, I obviously know now that is a major surgery and no one wishes that. And there are so many reasons why women get C-sections. And if you are healthy and able to, that is the last thing on your mind is is having a surgery. So um, after I met my husband, Mr. A, short for Mr. Amazing, um, he actually works in medical sales. And so he, he remembered me saying, Whenever we have children one day, I think I want to have an unmedicated water birth. Now, my sister had a water birth. One of my girlfriends had an amazing water birth. So I had been around so many positive stories about unmedicated births that it wasn't something that was scary to me. It just felt so natural. And he met a midwife when he was working and he said, babe, you got to meet this woman. I think one day when we have kids, like she's going to be the woman. So I meet her and I immediately think this is the lady and we decide to try to get pregnant and we thankfully get pregnant very easily, very quickly. We're just so grateful. And around 10 months before I had the baby, I just start preparing for this birth. I go through hypnobirthing classes. I meet this amazing doula and work with her one-on-one. My husband works with her. And, And for those of you listening that aren't familiar with what hypnobirthing is, it's the power of using your breath and your mind and visualization to really, um, to relax your body and to help your body really do what it's designed to do. And, um, I also started doing yoga. And so I really prepared for this unmedicated birth as soon as we got pregnant, if if not beforehand. And so, um, my birth story. (laughs) So Millie, my firstborn, she was supposed to be born on seven, 17, July 17th, 2017. And I kept saying, Oh, that would be so cool if she was born on her due date or on the 7th of July, seven, seven. 
And I worked up until um, I had the baby the week, the, the weekend of July 7th. Um, I just kept telling my husband, I said, I think the baby's going to come this weekend. And I had been seeing a doctor and midwife and, you know, I'm not dilated. Everything's fine, but I just had this feeling. And I'm definitely one of those people, as you listen to this interview, or if you follow me online, I'm very much a feelings person. I'm a faith-based person, but I just had this gut instinct. This baby was coming. And so I decided to drive to Studio City and get this pregnancy induced labor inducing salad. The salad. You may have heard of it. It's 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 a magic salad. It's herbaceous and it has balsamic vinegar and oil. And there's even like a pregnancy journal at this restaurant where women that are, you know, hoping to have their baby soon, they write in it and they write, you know, all these good vibe things in this journal. And so I believed so much, Ryan, that this was going to happen, that I brought the salad home because I was afraid that if I ate it at the cafe, the baby might come. So I eat the salad. I'm, I'm, you know, bouncing on my yoga ball. I tell my husband, I think this baby is coming. Like this baby is going to be here this weekend. And he gives me this look like you're so crazy, but he kind of looks at me. Okay, fine, babe. I believe you. And that night I go to bed and I wake up to my water breaking and I start squealing. I'm like, Oh, baby. And what's cool is I heard it and I ran and I made it to the toilet in time for the water to actually come out. Wow. And I'm sitting there like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The baby's going to come and get my water broke. My water broke. Now I didn't want to wake up my husband because I know now that I've gone through all these um, birthing classes that your water breaks. Oftentimes you have hours, you know, you, you could have a long time until the baby comes 12 hours even. And so I don't wake him and I just start looking at my phone and timing my contractions. And then all of a sudden it just starts getting a little more intense. So I think two hours later, I wake him up and I tell him and he's like, Oh my God, what do you mean? Your water broke. How long ago? I need, we need to go, you know, we need to go to the birth center. And I'm like, no, I've got this. I've got this. And so, um, what we had learned was all of the affirmations that I wanted to hear during labor. And one of those was, you've got this. Thank you so much for doing this for us. You can do this. Listen to your body. And um, I I could talk about birth forever, but the cool thing about going through hypnobirthing classes is you learn that a contraction is, is almost like a wave in the ocean. And so when you're in the ocean, you know, a wave comes and it's big and strong. And then as soon as it kind of goes over, there's this softness, there's this moment where there's rest before the next wave. And so in hypnobirthing, you really try to focus on the contraction, almost like a wave. And so your body's contracting, it's rotating the baby down. And then there's this moment of stillness where you can really, if you can let go of what you just experienced and relax your body and open up. And I'm like sipping my water and my coconut water and really just trying to like, I was doing hula hoop, standing up, um, rotating my hips, keeping my body open. Um, you can really, uh, encourage that baby to continue rotating down. And so before I knew it, uh, he decided to call the midwife and the doula and he's telling them, you know, Hey, this is where we're at. This is how far along her contractions are. And meanwhile, I decided to go to the restroom because I've been drinking so much water. 
And I'm sitting there in that perfect position, which it doesn't matter if you're having a baby or not. That's a really relaxing position when you're sitting down like that. It relaxes, it opens up your muscles. And I'm like, I think I want to push. And my husband said, what do you, what do you mean you want to push? You're not, you're not there yet. What, what do you mean you're going to push? And so I talked to the midwife and I'm over the phone and I explained what was happening and she believed me. Now I was talking just like you and I are, I don't know why she believed me because typically when women are in active labor and are ready to push, they're either so zoned in that they can't talk, they can't hear, they can't see, or they're so vocal. They're maybe cussing, screaming, moaning. I was neither. I was very much like in control. I, I think this is happening. And so we get in the car, we decide it's, it's go time. <laughs> we get in the car. Um, we're driving down La Cienega Boulevard. I live by the ocean. And so we have a good, like 45 minutes to get to the birth center, which is across from the hospital, which was one of the perks of working with this birth center is that our midwife had hospital privileges. She's a nurse midwife. So there's a lot of cool things, um, that we felt comfortable with. I was a candidate for this, of course. And so um, we get to the birth center. He's on the phone with the doula. He's on the phone with the midwife. We're not sure if they're going to make it in time. Um, there's this huge set of stairs. It's a two story building. And I didn't want to take the elevator. I just run up the stairs again. When we practiced hypnobirthing, everyone kept telling me, you're going to take the stairs slowly. You're going to pause. You're probably going to have a contraction. I, I couldn't wait. I fly up the stairs. I'm like banging on the door. I'm like I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And the door opens and it's a midwife student and the receptionist. And I knew in that moment, no one else was going to make it. I looked at these women that had been seeing me for nine months as I'm going to my appointments, these two young girls, like 21, 22. And I just knew no one else was going to make it. This baby was coming. My husband's hurrying up. They're putting the water in the tub because I wanted to have a water birth and I had kind of trained my body that once I'm in the water, it's go time. Like it's going to feel good. It's going to relax. And I'm going to be able to push. And, uh, one of the instructors that I worked with, she talked about how the, the power of pushing, like finally being at that point where you can just get over this monotonous feeling of like, is this baby coming? And once you're at that point, like it's go time. And so I just felt so pumped and excited. I'm like, please, I need to get in the water. I need to get in the water. Now, no one has checked me. I hadn't even put my fingers down there. I, I really wasn't sure, but I just felt like the baby was coming. And so they get the water in the tub. I get in the water. Um, the midwife checks me and she's like, yeah, this baby is ready. My husband is telling me, babe, um, you know, the midwife's coming. Simone is about to be here wait a second, wait a second, without telling me to wait, because you don't want to tell a woman to wait. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't. And so I like, you know, get in the tub and I lean back and I push and I felt like, I felt like the baby was, was there. And then I remember looking to my left at the midwife student and she's Brandy, like when you're ready, push one more time. And so I push one more time. And I remember feeling I had held the baby at a point, um, you know, in my body or almost out of my body. And she said, when you're ready, breathe out. And so I was just like, <sighs> and I breathed the baby out. 
I picked her up on my chest. We didn't know what we were having. We, but for both of our babies, we decided to wait to find out what we were having. Cause we just thought it's such a beautiful gift from God. Like who cares what the sex is? It's not going to change anything. This is such an amazing surprise. And I thought I was having a boy and I pulled this baby out. And my husband's like, it's a girl. It's a girl. It actually took a while. We were just holding the baby. I couldn't shut up. I was like, oh my God, I did it. I did it. I did it. I'm so proud of myself. I'm unstoppable. I'm a superhero. I was, I was like, I did this. I'm amazing. I was so proud. The nurse says, do you want to know what time it is? Or she says, you know, I'm going to, whatever they say. And she says, it's 707 on 7717. So Millie was born July 7th. 2017 at 7 07 a.m. Um, I wish you could see my legs right now because I have goosebumps. <laughs> that is the most magical birth story I've ever heard anyone tell. And I've heard a lot of birth stories. Like I have goosebumps. Yeah. Brandy. It was amazing. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. I it was. And you know, it's, there's so many things that come into this. I mean, sure. Like I was mentally prepared, but also it's also the baby's birth story. You know, our body does so many amazing things. I've heard so many cool birth stories where things didn't happen that way. And they didn't happen that way because the body was telling mommy that something's going on. And that's why sometimes birth stories don't go according to, to how we want them planned. Um, Millie definitely was like such a great partner in that because my baby was rotating down when I was um, contracting and, and Sonny's birth story, poor guy. Cause he's the second born. I, I don't have time to go into his, but it was very similar. Um, except I got to the birth center early, which I was so mad about. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be home. Um, by the way, we actually, we had the baby, Millie, going back to Millie's story at 7.07. We were home by like, I don't know, 10.30 a.m. So that's the beauty of going to a birth center. You know, I was home in my bed three hours later. This is really silly. And I know some moms are really going to hate me for this, but I had a barbecue at two because my husband's family came over and I felt so good that we like, you know, turned on the big green egg and we smoked some meats and we had pizza and everyone came over. Um, and yes, I, but after I had Sunny um, in the water as well, I was like, okay, I had two and we got one of each. I'm feeling good biologically as far as we're, we're done here. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'll, uh... Both of those stories. I'll have to hear the second one another time, but thank you yes. for sharing that. <laughs> so I'm curious, what has been the one thing that has really surprised you about parenthood? I think what has been surprising and also empowering is that we can be whatever parent we want to be. You know, we have our own story and our story is shaped by the way we were parented. And sometimes you want to take some of those amazing traditions and practices and parenting styles, but sometimes you want to leave them. It's so important to write our own story and to know that our story as a parent is going to be different. And also our story that we carry to our child is different. Um, an example of that is I try to remind myself that if I'm late for a meeting and I need my daughter to come with me or I need to bring her somewhere, if she's trying to learn how to tie her own shoes, I need to factor in that time because 
it's not her fault that I need to get somewhere quickly. And so, and I don't want to be in that moment where I'm rushing and I'm like, hurry, you have to do this. And, and, you know, it's time for us to go. Like, no, she's just a kid. Her job is to be a kid. And so my husband and I really try to be intentional in our parenting so that we are setting them up for success. And of course things happen. You know, I take my kids with me to go shop for products and, and things that I'm working on for shoots and they have to know that that's part of life. But I also don't go during nap time and I don't go when I don't think that they're going to thrive and be really good helpers. And I think something that's just been surprising about parenting is the fact that we just have so much control in what happens in the four walls of our home and the culture we create and the the story that we write. And there is so much that we can do as parents to help mold these children into really incredible people. And it's such a privilege. I never thought that I would be so proud of the work that I do. But today I was, I, I, you know, gave myself a pat on the back. I was at Target with both kids. My son is 22 months. My daughter's three and a half and a woman who it looks like was with her daughter. This woman was probably in her sixties. Uh, came up to me and said, my, my daughter and I, or she said, no, actually she didn't say, she's like, my daughter and I keep listening to you talk to your kids. And it is so cool the way that you speak to them, like they're people. And that's all she said. She's like, I just wanted you to know that you're a good mom. And I just, it, it changed my whole day. I mean, I'm in this interview and I'm just like, that made me feel so good because she recognized that you know, everyone's wearing masks and it's very easy to just like keep to ourselves. And it was just so cool that she complimented me and not just about something random, but like she heard me and the way that I parent. And this is a reminder to people out there, like compliments mean so much to, to someone like that. She affected me in such a deep way. And this feeling, this like high that I have is going to last for a couple of days because it feels good for someone that you don't know to recognize you in that way. It does feel good. And especially when you're a mother and you're doing your best for each day in a pandemic and you're, you know, you're wearing so many different hats and, and I know you also travel for work too. So I'm always, and you know, I, I love to hear people's travel stories too. So if you're traveling with your kids, do you have any travel tips for moms? Absolutely. Well, if you can book the flight when it's a good time for your kids and when you have younger kids, I'm talking about nap times and stuff. That's always great because as soon as you get on the plane, you know, they're probably going to pass out. But something that I like to do is I create these little busy bags for my children and they're fun depending on their age. It might be snacks that they haven't had in a while. So different um, fruits and veggies or dried fruit or crackers or cookies, special things maybe, but then it's also really cool, um, activities that they can do. So it could be a sticker book. It could be a new coloring book, Play-Doh, different things so that there are these bags for, you know, each of them. And it's this feeling of discovery. Sometimes my husband and I will even wrap things. And I'm talking, you can go to the dollar section or you can just rotate your toys in your own home and find things that they haven't discovered yet. Uh, the other day I found an old lock and it was a key and just a, a key lock from like a locker or from a bike. And my son thought it was so cool. And he just kept taking it out and trying to get it back in. Like parents, let's, let's be mindful that anytime you give your child 
you know, your sunglasses or a cool toy, they're going to go for the sunglasses. So keep it easy. I love making little busy bags. I make sure that I have tons of food. You know, I have so many recipes on my blog, greenymolay.com, like my zucchini muffins that are delicious that have maple syrup and carrots, but really set yourself up for success. And keep in mind that sometimes a flight is delayed. So always have double think about different, um, you know, always having extra, if you have a baby, have two outfits, because if they have a blowout and you think you're set with one, you might need two. Oh, I've been there. I'm glad I had two <laughs> and three. <laughs> yeah. Been there. So you talked about all of your delicious recipes, which I love. I can't wait to try your zucchini muffins. So a lot of people shy away from cooking in the kitchen with toddlers because of the mess. And some people totally dive in and say, I love cooking with my toddlers. So what are some essential must-haves in your kitchen if you're going to cook with a toddler? Yes. Well, we, you know, if you're not making a mess, you're not doing it right. And that's even for grownups too. So first let that control go because so many amazing magical memories can be made in the kitchen. And keep in mind that when you do these memories, when you have these experiences, you're making memories, you're starting traditions, that's what your child is going to remember. And so try to let that part go. One of my must-haves is having a toddler stool. I have some um, of these listed on my website, my husband DIY'd one, uh, or you can buy them pretty affordably online, like Amazon for 80 to upwards of like a hundred bucks, $150. So a toddler stool is imperative. I started having my daughter do things in the kitchen, even transfer work. So like taking the blueberries from the bowl to the mixing bowl is a big deal for a child. That's a year, a year and a half. So we start early. I have these chef knives that are kid friendly very affordable also on my website. And there's certain things that are easier for them to cut like cucumbers or watermelon. So you always want to make sure you're setting yourself up to success and you're also empowering them in that way. Um, I have a kid's cutting board. And then also I think just keeping like thinking about the job that they would do when you're helping. So maybe if you get all of the ingredients out and you're like, okay, I'm going to measure the flour without them. I'm going to do all of that stuff, put everything away. And then you just let them do the pouring or the mixing. And so it does take extra time, but that's why it should be considered like something special that they can do with you. I love, I can feel your joy over the computer screen. I love <laughs> ball of energy and a breath of fresh air, Brandy. It's so great to Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I'd love to know if there's anything else you'd like to share with our listeners or our viewers. Yeah, well, as you mentioned in my intro, I host a podcast called Momhood. It's such a unique space. We interview amazing moms, but we also just talk about everything. So um, we have a huge community on Instagram. It's at momhood show. And then of course, all my handles are below in the caption, Brandy Malloy. Um, and that's where I share a lot of my recipes too. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today. It was truly a pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you had some great aha moments. I am so passionate about empowering women and I can't thank you enough for your support. If you know an inspiring mama or you are an inspiring mama, send them our way. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday and please like, follow, and subscribe to The Educated Mama. Write a review, leave us a comment, share this podcast with your friends. I'm Ryan Jordan, founder and CEO of Educated Nannies. You got this, mama.